You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, welcome, welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and your kitty copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. And today is Twitter Tuesday, which means I've got a whole bunch of your mailbag questions. But first, we have a daily tradition now we're going to do all the way up until the draft, and that is the prospect of the day. Every day on this show, I will cover at least one draft prospect as part of this. Sometimes we'll go over more, uh, but for days like today where it's a mailbag, got to still do one prospect, and that prospect today is Miami edge rusher Jalen Phillips. Now, edge rusher seems to be the most logical place for the Vikings to go in the first round. I'm going to talk a little bit more about why I think that in uh, response to a couple of the questions, but in the first round, it seems like edge rusher is the most efficient place. Seems like that's the, the most commonly mocked thing, and one of those edge rushers, Jalen Phillips, could be the best edge rusher in the class were it not for injury history. And that's in one sentence, the book on him, right? He is a very good edge rusher. He's uh, very powerful. He can win with strength. He, his bend is, I don't know, leaves a little bit to be desired, but not detrimentally so. He can rush from the interior. He's got all sorts of, of jukes. Uh, PFF even lauded like his Euro step, which is something that you can do as a stand-up rusher inside, which the Vikings, I think, are going to be looking for that as well for third down, so he can fill that role as well as being one of your starting edge, edge rushers right away. Um, he should be maybe a top 15, top 10 prospect, but... He has this detrimental concussion history. And it's like, it's concussions. Like, it's not something that's like, oh, he tore his ACL and is he going to be ready in time, but he'll be fine for the rest of it. No, concussions could be a disaster, right? If he suffers a concussion in his rookie year because he gets hit on the head the wrong way or, or if it just exacerbates problems that were already there, I mean, you could be talking about an early retirement kind of thing because he took two years off in college. He retired from football in 2018. I mean, this was serious. And he ended up coming back a couple of years later. But you have to wonder how much of that problem is still lingering. And what is the risk? This is an availability concern, right? What is the risk that you're just not going to get everything out of this player's rookie contract? And you're just going to end up kind of wishing you took somebody who maybe didn't have as high of a ceiling, or maybe would have taken a little more work to get there somebody like, uh, you know, Quiddy Pay or uh, Jason Away, who, you know, in a vacuum without that injury history, you might rather have Jalen Phillips, but he might go a little bit later because he's basically going to go to the team that has the smallest problem with concussions. And do you want to be the team that's like least worried about concussions? I think it's a legit question to ask. And maybe you come out of that and say, no, I still think I would take him over the other guys. I think that's totally valid, but I, I think that's the question you have to ask, right? It is like a genuine legitimate concern where a lot of times, you know, the medical concern of a player is something that teams are just going to kind of overthink and he falls two rounds later than he should because he's like coming off an elbow injury that ends up not coming back his whole career. This is one of those cases where you really probably should try to play around it. Maybe move him down your board a couple of rounds and say, okay, if the whole NFL says we're out on this guy's concussion and it's, and, and it's the fourth round, all right, now we're taking the swing on this guy. But if he ends up going in the first round because the team just isn't concerned about the concussions, and again, maybe they looked into it and maybe the medicals checked out and stuff, then you know that's going to be kind of a, a declaration. If Jalen Phillips does go in the first round, 
implying that that team looked into the medicals, looked into the concussion history, and determined that it wasn't that big of a risk, then that probably looks like a pretty good pick. If he ends up falling to the second and third round, we get real, real worried about him. And honestly, it's hard to say where he's going to go. It's I, I think he's going to be in different places on everyone's like mock drafts and stuff, and it's going to be interesting, an interesting story to watch come actual draft weekend. So let's shift gears to the mailbag here. I've got a whole bunch of questions from you guys, a whole bunch of good ones. So I'm really excited to get in. And the first one comes from Matt Chander. Chander, sorry if I mispronounced that, who says, as a whole, I'm actually pretty excited by the moves the team has made to improve the the defense, at least on paper so far this offseason. Am I drinking the purple Kool-Aid or is the defense shaping up to have some legitimate potential in 2021? I, I think the expectation should be pretty high for the defense, the way that they've reconstructed it, right? Last year's defense was, I mean, if you look at the, the players who played snaps in the last four games of last year, half of them aren't even on the team anymore. I don't think outside of like Cameron Dantzler and Harrison Smith, who are probably the two players down the stretch that you wanted to start the most, I think those are like the only players who are going to play, and Gladney, I guess, are gonna, the only players who are going to play for the Vikings in 2021. So if you're concerned about things repeating themselves like week 15, 16 last year where the defense kind of fell apart, it's like an entirely different group of people. So I think that's a decent foundation on which to build some optimism. Obviously, there's other concerns that have come along with those players like Patrick Peterson and his age, Dalvin Tomlinson, his double nose going to work, all that stuff. And if you want to be concerned about those things, I think that's perfectly valid as well. But yeah, if the defense doesn't improve in 2021, something really, really surprising happened. It would be really hard to project that they just like get worse or do about the same. Kyle says, if you were made the GM of the Vikings tomorrow, what would be your priorities for the rest of the offseason? Uh, I want I want one guard. I want to go after somebody like Forrest Lamp. Austin Blythe have both been uh, names that have been mentioned by reporters. I'm into both of those names. I'm into a couple other names who are out there as well. Um, I mean, they're, they've probably thrown quite a quite a wide net out for guards. Give me one guard that I can rely on to start. And then if nothing happens in the draft, if all the linemen are gone in the draft and it's terrible to pick a lineman in the draft and we just have to figure it out, you would then have like an Ezra Cleveland that left tackle, two new guards and Mason Cole and whoever else you get, you have Bradbury O'Neill. Like that's a, a line you can probably call serviceable. Um, and, and I think that's a good place to be in. And then of course you want to bolster it more in the draft, but if disaster strikes, worst case scenario, you can't, you're not just like completely snookered, right? And you don't have to start incurring extra costs to play around it. So I think give me one more guard and we're ready for the draft. And then after the draft, it becomes get Harrison Smith extended, get Daniil Hunter extended, and then you're set pretty well in the long term as well. I think the Vikings are a lot closer than you think to like a stable kind of sustainable contending machine than their previous records would indicate. Uh, Jacko says, how often do Rick and Zimmer take risks on players at the top of drafts? Asking because from everything I've heard and read, Jalen Phillips is clear-cut edge one in the class, but has that injury history. Um, so this is kind of why I did Jalen Phillips because of this question, and I think they are always a do-your-homework kind of team, so they will take those risks or they absolutely will not, but whatever it is, their answer will be definitive. And I think they do sometimes take players off of their board if it's like, no, we just, just don't trust the red flags, we just don't trust the medical, we don't trust if there's off-field or something like that. But then there's somebody like Dalvin Cook. They can go look into the off-field and say, oh, this doesn't concern us. He's totally still on our board and end up drafting him. Um, and, and so it's very, very case by case with them, and they'll just have to look into it, and that makes it really difficult to predict what they're going to do, so it's kind of annoying for us, but they are absolutely willing to take those chances. There are some teams that'll just say, oh, there are red flags, we just are going to sort all of that out entirely and go only with squeaky clean uh, prospects. And the Vikings definitely don't do that. They'll definitely do their homework, they'll look in, they'll make calls, they'll, they'll do testing, 
And then, you know, for better or worse, they'll kind of try to make a judgment call on it. Eli Hartskin says, why do people talk about win now mode and kicking the can down the road with the cap is unsustainable when it seems the same teams who are behaving unsustainably like the Rams, Saints, and Vikings are playoff teams more often than not? Can't teams just kick the can down the road until the NFL eventually folds? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, Mickey Loomis is kind of just like setting the the standard for all of this, right? The, the Saints were in cap hell for like, eight years and were contenders all of those years at a certain point cap hell just isn't hell it's just like uh you gotta do some weird restructures and kick a lot of cans down the road and stuff like that but yeah you can just continue to restructure contracts as long as you keep signing restructurable contracts you know if you look at a contract like dalvin cook's contract i'm sure we'll say you know it'll be interesting to look at brian o'neill's in this context even kirk cousins's contract are all kind of made to be reworked should the need to do so arise and so that's how you can get stuff like save $8 million this year by just doing some weird accounting stuff with Adam Thielen. You don't even need to like negotiate with him or anything. And so if you set up contracts that way, you can do that. And at a certain point, I think the the road ends like the Eagles, you know, there's just too many void years, too much dead cap, and they have to do all kinds of weird stuff. You know, the Saints had to cut like 10 players, but the Saints and Eagles are, and we talked to PFF Brad about this a few weeks ago, they're like four or five years further down that road than the Vikings are. So if the Vikings wanted to kind of stay in kicking the can down the road mode for half a decade more they could probably figure out how to do it and then it just becomes about did they evaluate players right did they have good drafts and to be honest no matter what your strategy is it pretty much always comes down to that but hey maybe you're less bullish on the vikings than i am maybe you want to bet against them for the division bet on over unders nfl futures or maybe you just want to keep betting on college basketball it's getting down to the wire with march madness uh of course march almost over so it's going to become uh, april madness and if you want to place a wager or two head on over to betonline.ag they are your online sports book experts. It's free to sign up and make an account on your uh, computer, on your mobile device. And when you're making your first deposit for money to actually gamble with, enter promo code Locked On. you get a 50% welcome bonus. That means for every $100 you put in as your first deposit, you get an extra 50 bucks on top of that to play with. It's free grambling money. So head on over to betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Get yourself caught up on everything going on around the world of sports, hockey, baseball, basketball, and whatever NFL news is trickling in this time of year at the Locked On Today podcast hosted by Peter Bukowski, under 20 minutes every single morning, Locked On Today. Go subscribe on radio.com, their app, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. So continuing with the mailbag, next question comes from Purple Yeti, who asks, who would be the most fun player for the Vikings to draft this year realistically? And realistically, all right, so I can't be like Trevor Lawrence, right? I think I can say Kyle Pitts though. It's probably a pipe dream. He's probably more than likely going top five, but teams still have a month to overthink the fact that he's technically counts as a tight end. And do you want to draft a tight end in the top 10 and all that stuff? I think there is a universe in which teams get really, really dumb about this. And they've seen, you know, first round, highly drafted tight ends burn the Lions a couple of times and don't want to. And then he falls. And come on, how much fun would Kyle Pitts be in this offense? It would actually probably be like the single best fit too. Grade him in a vacuum, he might still be the best pass catcher, but put him in the specific context of the Vikings, and that gap gets even bigger because of the way uh, the skill set that he has. I mean, how fun would that be? Obviously, kind of a pipe dream, but I think it's realistic enough to count for the purposes of your question. Alex Kosia says, Locked on draft guys often bring up how teams should be responsible, pick O-linemen early over skill players that they can get later until they figure out their trenches problems. Do you agree with this strategy of pouring in draft capital at the problem until you fix it, or is there a point where teams like the Vikings should just take their losses, try and sign low-ceiling playable veterans. Um, I think it depends on that class, right? If you have a class like this one, and you know if you're really high on, say, the edge rushers, right? 
and you know you're going to be able to get a really good edge rusher, well, then don't pay for a free agent or try to go get some, you know, $6 million whoever there to take the draft need away. I don't love the guards in this one, so go get guards in free agency, but I think it really depends on the class. I think you should structure your free agency and your your draft uh, strategy to kind of complement each other in a given year. But if that means, you know, drafting the same position over and over and over again as, you know, players cycle out, you need to replace them. I don't think that that's necessarily an issue or an, an inefficiency at all. But I mean, if you went and got a big free agent, uh, you know, if the Vikings drafted a defensive tackle in the first round this year, I think we'd all understand like, wait, that's really, really weird. They don't need one right now. And who's the last defensive tackle they took in the draft highly? Well, Sharif Floyd, Mike Zimmer's never taken a defensive tackle in the first round of the draft. It's because he always had Linval Joseph, right? And he always had free agents that did the job well anyways. Um, I, I think if you want to kind of combine resources spent and, you know, composite it all together and you'll realize, well, some positions they just are always spending draft capital on and in return, they never have to spend cap dollars on and, and vice versa. Um, I think those sorts of heuristics sort, start to sort themselves out a little bit more. Martin P. asks, how much would it cost to trade up with the Jets to get Wilson and would you pay it? Um, I, realistically, I think they just, they don't even start the conversation. I'd like, they, it's not, you know, hey, I'll give you nine first rounders or, you know, I'll give you everything that I can and all. And I still think they just hang up the phone, right? As a quarterback, would you trade down out of two if you were the Vikings and you were in that position? I don't think you would. Um, if you really wanted to trade like this year's first and next year's first and the first after that, and then the two seconds you have also and all that stuff, trade all of that stuff and do it. Like, and, and I think there's probably not a price that's too high for a quarterback if you can guarantee that they're a franchise guy. Am I that confident in Zach Wilson? I have no idea. I haven't really looked into that guy too much yet because he's not particularly relevant to the Vikings. Um, but I, you could probably make an argument like, would you do it for like Trevor Lawrence? Like, yeah, probably sure. But I would imagine that this is a the answer to this question is NA, not applicable. It's kind of a non-starter. Uh, Skull All Day 27 asks, what's your initial hype for Xavier Woods? What kind of player is he? And what should we look for in regards to how good he should, he will be? I imagine this was asked before uh, Skull All Day listened to yesterday's episode where I talked a lot about Xavier Woods. And I'm going to get into it more later as well. Um, but I think he's very similar stylistically to Anderson Dejo. Coverage is fine maybe not quite as explosive, not quite as disruptive as Anthony Harris, but he, he's a good hitter, uh, not a great tackler, but is ultimately good enough to justify kind of doing whatever you want with Harrison Smith and kind of unlocking Harrison Smith's best abilities. Dr. Doofenshmirtz asks, haven't heard much about special teams amidst the free agency magic madness. Do you see the Vikings sticking it out with Greg Joseph or finding another answer at kicker? Do they run BB as the punt return man? Or do you see outside competition coming in? What can they do to mitigate last year's issues? Um, so I think the later rounds of the draft are big for this too, when it comes to, you know, getting um, like depth that's supposed to be your fifth wide receiver, but also contribute on special teams for coverage for mitigating those issues. You know, don't do a Dan Chisena thing. That was really stupid. Um, I, I get it. They were like trying to be hyper athletic and it totally blew up. In terms of kicker, I'm sure a new kicker will come in eventually. I don't know if they have to draft one or pick one up in free agency or an undrafted free agent can come in. Maybe they don't. I, I really don't know what, what they'll do there. Um, I doubt that Greg Joseph will be anointed the job, though. I think somebody comes in eventually. And in terms of the returner jobs, they always have like a 12-man competition at the beginning of camp. BB will be part of it and everybody else will be too. Uh, Abdullah will be in it. I'm sure KJ Osborne will be in it again. Maybe he can win the job. Maybe he gets better, right? And then I'm sure there will be a sixth-round pick or something that comes in and competes for it as well. It's a total free-for-all at the beginning of camp with that, so who's to say? Kyle Slaby, Sino champion, asks, uh, after the recent investments in the secondary, how high would you like to see the team address secondary in the draft? This is a question in a vacuum. I assume a great prospect following the Vikings would supersede the 
need at any position. Okay, cool. So if you're just trying to like plan your ideal draft, right, where they fix edge rusher and offensive line and, you know, the first and and then it's like where where is secondary uh, uh, need uh, corner? I don't think you need to draft a single corner right now. I think they're set at corner now that they got Peterson and Alexander in the room. They needed two corners. They got two corners. Uh, they needed at least two corners. Um if they took like a fifth round corner to go compete with Harrison hand or whatever, like sure. And just make that a really, really tough competition at the bottom of the roster. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but they do need a couple of backup safeties. So a third round safety is not a bad idea. Xavier Woods still on a one year deal right now. Harrison Smith is only on one year of a deal. Um, although that probably changes before the draft. Um, so safeties in like the third round is not a bad idea at all. Now, I've got some more questions I want to rip through here, but first I want to talk to you about Built Madness. It's officially the final four. Cookies and cream versus cookie dough chunk. I don't know what to do with this one. This is this is asking me to choose between my heart and my soul. I, I can't make a decision, but if you can, go to builtbar.com or at bar underscore built on Twitter. You can cast your vote. If you want to try these flavors for yourself, you can buy some Built Bar also at builtbar.com. Enter promo code LOCKED15. That's LOCKED15. And you can get 15% off of your next order at builtbar.com. Every year in Minnesota, April is sleet season. It's just the time of year where it randomly snows and then it gets really slippery. And, you know, late March, there's always one more than you think. Be prepared. Make sure that your car is set up. You've got an ice scraper. You've got fresh windshield wiper blades. And if you need stuff like that, or even uh, windshield wiper fluid, you can head on over to rockauto.com. Just enter your make, your year, and your model. And uh, they'll make sure that you're getting parts that are compatible with your car. And you can figure it out from there. If you're a do-it-yourself or if you just need kind of mundane stuff to take care of your car you can find it all at rockauto.com at a decent price because they don't upsell their uh, retail buyers as opposed to their wholesale buyers everybody gets the same price that's at rockauto.com and when you check out and how you heard about a section let them know that locked on sent you because if you don't i'm gonna have to package and sell my entire collection of vintage beanie babies and i really don't want to do that rock auto amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need there's a lot of draft talk coming up and make sure you are all prepared and you are set. You are informed with the duo of NFL draft podcast we have here at the locked on network. There's the draft dudes podcast. They cover every prospect. So you don't have to, and the locked on NFL draft podcast that covers news, mock drafts and everything else in between head on over to radio.com, wherever you find your podcast for the draft dudes and the locked on NFL draft podcast and make sure you are on the up and up. So let's continue with some of these questions. Stizo asks, are you okay with the move of selecting AVT, Elijah Vera Tucker, at 14? Similarly, Tyler Fornis asked, if all the players had the same grade and value, which position would you rather draft at 14? Um, so different sides of the same coin here. The way that Tyler has phrased this question kind of takes away a key thing for me, and it puts it in a vacuum that never exists. Because for me, the answer of what position to draft at 14 is edge rusher because there are more first round edge rushers I see the Vikings having access to that are exciting. Now, if, you know, Rayshon Slater is there at 14 and we're choosing between him and Quiddy Pay, then it's different, but it's more about those players than it is about the position. If we are in a total vacuum, I mean, I don't know, we all know the general hierarchy of positional value that a wide receiver is probably more important. Edge is probably more important than like offensive linemen. Tackles are more important. We all know that, right? We've all heard that a million times, but when it comes to the Vikings and where their deficiencies are, I still think edge is probably the most dire need. Like they have like Steven Weatherly and DJ Wanham competing for a starting spot right now. And that's just not good enough. And that's a really important position. So I'd probably go with edge. And then I would probably go whichever of the O-linemen that I like the most um, between tackle and guard, I'd much rather get a guard and move Ezra Cleveland out to tackle like 
was kind of the intention in the draft. That's a more efficient path for me. But again, let the players kind of determine that for you. And then I'd probably go wide receiver. I, I don't think a first round wide receiver is necessary. I think a wide receiver is necessary. Don't think that guy needs to be a first rounder. Just because, you know, the usage of that player, I mean, he'll probably be, if you pick a third round receiver and it, and it turns out to be like a good third round receiver and it doesn't bust or whatever, that guy's probably the fifth skill player, right? That guy's probably getting more snaps than like CJ Ham or Tyler Conklin or whatever. Like that person's probably a quote unquote starter, but it's still going to rotate out in certain situations when you want to be in 21 or 12 personnel. But even that, like if you got a first round wide receiver and then Adam Thielen retires two years later and now you're Jefferson and this guy and that's your duo, like you set yourself up well for that situation. And that's also something that should probably be on their mind. So I don't think any of those are unjustifiable. Um, and I'm going to be lame and say, yeah, it's about the player. To answer Stizo's question to that end, uh, I think probably with Elijah Vera Tucker at 14, I think he's a good enough player. And I think he justifies that. And he, he, everybody's got a first round grade on him. And and I trust that kind of consensus. Uh, here come Bloom asks, over under three trades the Vikings make during the draft. If we're talking like pick for pick trades, I think that's the easiest over of my life. I, I absolutely. Rick Spielman has a ton of capital right now. If you think about it, he's got 10 picks and none of them are in the seventh round and only one is in the sixth. That's a lot of premium capital. And he is going to want to split that over a few more dart throws. So there's going to be trading down in this draft. I'd bet my life on it. And I say over three is easy. Uh, Austin Cox says, what's your take on Mel Kuyper's latest mock draft with the Vikings trading up to get Panay Sewell from Oregon? Sorry about the pronunciation. Still working on that one. Uh, for that trade, he had the Vikings spending a 2022 second rounder to get up. And then he said, and likely more. Probably be easier to just use a 2021 third rounder, which is of comparable value. Um, um, and then like a third and a fourth to get up five spots. I guess, yeah, sure, for Panacea, if you're that high on him as, as a tackle and he's falling. But yeah, I think if he's somebody that you are like mega high on, right, like he's a franchise-saving player or whatever, and he is falling, go up and get him. If you think he's the fifth best player in the draft, and you can pay what it costs to go from 14 to 9, there might be efficiency there. That's always my philosophy on trading up. And yeah, I, I think most of, of the Vikings world would be pretty pretty excited about that. Yeah, I could, I could be talked into it. I could get on board. Joe asks, what are your thoughts on the Vikings reuniting Keaton McCardell and Didi Westbrook? Westbrook's injury history should make him cheap, but the potential is there for a solid wide receiver three. Uh, yeah, sure. Love it. That's a great idea and a pretty good reason for that to happen. Uh, Jay asks, do you think the Vikings are looking at drafting a quarterback to back up Cousins? Just seems like the, if they really wanted Mannion, they probably would have already signed him. I disagree with you on the last part. I think the fact that Mannion hasn't been signed yet is actually pretty normal. Why would you commit salary cap to Sean Mannion when you know you're going to need cap later and you're going to have all the money coming in? You'll be able to do all these things comfortably eventually. There's no market for Sean Mannion and therefore no, no urgency to sign him. Don't, uh, you know, waste urgently needed money that could prevent you from signing an offensive lineman right now, you're going to get, you know, a, an influx of money on June 1st. You're going to get an influx of money when you do the Harrison Smith, maybe even Hunter extensions. Use some of that money and uh, use the, the money on players that you might miss out on in the meantime. Mannion doesn't seem like one of those players. Reports are that it's really likely that he is coming back. So I think that probably is something that they plan to do and just haven't yet. But, you know, anything can happen. It's always a, a wide open, wild world. Pelvic Thunder <laughs> asks, how's 
similar are Harris and Woods. Should we expect a role change from the safety position or a drop-off in play? Um, so I, I sort of talked about this a little earlier in the show, but uh, Harris is Anthony Harris. He's a lot more of a rangy kind of jump-on-the-ball-make-an-interception guy. Uh, Xavier Woods is a... He, he's, I think, more natural size-wise in the box than Anthony Harris. Of course, Anthony Harris, you know, in the early parts of his career, that was kind of the whole thing was that he was too small to be a box, to, to play in the box at all. So he had to be a free safety, and that's not true of Xavier Woods. Woods is still, I think, more comfortable at free safety than at strong safety, but I think his play style is a little different, where Anthony Harris is very calculated. Um, Xavier Woods is very aggressive. So he's going to go for more, and he might get more plays, but he'll also miss more plays because of that. And he has similar tackling issues to Andrew Sandejo, and that was not a thing with Anthony Harris. So I say, imagine it for now like the good Sandejo years. I think he's the, the best of Sandejo, which wasn't perfect, but it was definitely doable. It unlocked Harrison Smith, and we got what we needed out of that. Final question comes from Kurt, who asks, explain your relationship with the moon, please. No. I will see you all tomorrow on the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL, shows on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. And as always, Skull.